to your boot camp. <laughs> That's it's the like second half. Take or death. Galatian girls will do it for pearls and the arakeen for water. But if you desire dames like consuming flames, try Caledon and daughters. Read us, uh, read us in. Wait, I want to do it. Oh, okay. Oh, do it, fine. Now Wait. he shows up to the party. Well, Wait, go. I, don't I don't know what to say. <laughs> You're fired. Get off of my podcast. Go, go, Lily, it's you. Welcome, everybody, to another bi-weekly installment of Gom Jabber with the Moolah Dweebs. Here's my super excited intro, and let's Get nerdy. Introduce yourselves, folks. I'm uh, I'm Alec Boyle, the housekeeper. And we lived together, and I would have never called you the housekeeper. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm still Josh Stevens. Um, I'm not sure if anyone cares. Let's uh, skip me. Go, go to Lily. Clicking on over there, man. What are you doing? You're giving a click fest. I know that was that was the problem. I was distracted by the clicking. I'm Lily Brislin. I'm the token female, and I only remember bits and parts of the book, so I'm excited. <laughs> uh, I am Josh Stevens, and I think in every book club, there's someone who didn't read everything they were supposed to read. So I'm that guy. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> These three chapters are like five pages long total. Yeah, I'm like three pages from the end of where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you're going to have to synopsize the third chapter, so I look forward to your made-up description of what happens in it. Oh, you don't want me to do any of this, but okay. Oh, actually, it's okay. I have your notes. <laughs> the, my notes are <laughs> not that thorough. <laughs> we are here because we are working our way through Frank Herbert's Dune three chapters at a time all the way until the film comes out in December, which apparently is still happening. I don't know if anybody else read the Vanity Fair uh, profile, but it's pretty dope. I read that. (laughs) You you piece of human excrement. (laughs) Yeah, I was loving how everyone was going nuts over... The, uh, the gender swap. Can we talk about it? Yeah. Let's I, talk about I anticipated it. that being a large... Like, again, this is probably going to be like last week where 
we maybe touch on half of the chapters <laughs> very intermittently. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the movie. Let's talk about uh, the the Liet Kynes. You know, I just think that Liet, Liet Kynes' gender is so important to the character. I don't understand how you could ever change it. And well, what that book... You should give you a reason why. Well, the movie just... You know, it has a certain minimum floor of crusty white men, and if you don't meet it, <laughs> it's just not the same story. But wait, there are so many strong female females in this in this movie already. Why do we need another one? <laughs> I think we're just gonna what... are we just gonna read <laughs> shitty forum posts for the oh entire my gosh, episode. We, we definitely. Do. <laughs> I mean. That's pretty much what I did all evening last night instead of reading. So that's that's my experience. <laughs> that's your expertise. Is... I just appreciate yep. that most of the arguments for why it's unacceptable are like a hashtag triggered token liberals. Like there's no argument there or I don't like there's I can't even think of what the other arguments because it's mostly well, like I don't like it. I'm a textualist. Like I believe in a true exegesis oh. of the dude gospel. No, so I saw the best response to that today, which I like tagged Josh in, but it was somebody that was like, I don't care if Leah Kynes is an octopus as long as they get rid of weirding modules. Which, right? Like so many of those people who are losing their minds probably love the weirding modules and do not remember that they are not part of the fucking story. See, I don't remember that. This is why this is great for me. I'm like, I love Dune. I don't remember any of this shit. It's like re- it's like falling in love all over again. Well, and Josh did actually spend like the last two days fighting with people on the forum. I guess it was just yesterday, but it was just sure. yesterday. But it was a lot. How did I just see all of this? Okay, Josh, give us the highlights. I tagged give us the you. I, ta- I tagged you. I know, you but I looked at the thread. I didn't see you weighing in. I didn't see you throwing punches. Oh, I. I did. We went into this whole thing about how there was this there was this one fan who was super all about the extended universe that was created by people other than Frank. And my point was just that if you've already got a not Frank that you're going to accept as canon, why can't this not Frank be accepted as canon as well? And that didn't go over well. God bless the internet. Yeah, I need a drink. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm excited about the pictures. I think they uh, all look pretty good. I think, um, uh, shit, what's his fucking name? Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho. That's pretty interesting. Who is he? Here's other reasons why I am terrible at this, and also anyone, if anyone actually listen to these things are just going to hate me. Like, I don't remember actors' names. A fun mm. game I used to play in college would be Lily, It's That Guy, where people would try to talk to me about... I was a theater major, right? Like, I, Yeah, I it's, like, it's no such an ironic foreign actor. <laughs> I know. Like, Lily, It's That Guy. So, you're, like, running through how many movies do you have to run through before I remember who an actor is? So, so Game of Thrones? Khal Drogo? Ooh, who's he? He's Duncan Idaho. Oh, that's nice. Jason Momoa. Yeah. All right. Uh-huh. Though I did like I posted uh, a picture of Stilgar side by side with a picture of uh, Jason Momoa, and I I could see it. There was definitely a, a resemblance. Yeah, but he's not really 
I mean, he kind of he's not really old enough to be like Chani's uncle, but I guess maybe he is. I don't know. How old the fuck old is Jason Momoa? Right? Because Zendaya's got Zendaya I mean, not pretty young in these in some of yeah. these photos. I mean, is she playing a teenager? Yeah. Yeah, I think she's supposed to be 16 and Paul's 15. Oh, and he's 40. He could have done it. All right. I'll shut up. Please don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Any other particularly deep thoughts about it? There was a comment from the director at the, uh, about how the Dune as allegory for climate apocalypse and like the required adaptation. And, Sure. Normally I would be all about like a heavy-handed climate change metaphor. Like I would want that. <laughs> but but then I thought, you know, if Dune was always an environmental allegory, you know, it doesn't it I want Yeah, I I read that quote, right? And it did seem like yeah. he was reaching real deep on this like extractive capitalism commentary, but it's like, yeah, but the books already got that covered, right? <laughs> like <laughs> They, right, exactly. You don't need to slap on an extra layer uh, to make <laughs> to make the book about the sand-covered place where they get fuel into <laughs> relevant extractive capitalism analysis. Uh, all right. When did, the, uh, when did the OPEC oil embargo start? Oh, early seventies. Um, well, it was during the Carter administration, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. So that would have to be late 70s. Oh, okay. Right. It, it, Carter's 76 to 80. And I'm pretty oh. sure it was under Carter. But maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was... Uh, 73. Ford. Maybe it was... Oh, so that would have been that would have been Ford. 73. Okay. But still... It was also a 79 this, oil crisis, I guess. But this predates it. I was just reading about like the stockpiling and thinking about like... Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I think that right from a from a speculative fiction perspective, he was ahead of his time in being someone who was thinking about the economic and ecological consequences for the like. That was when people in the world were starting to really start to think about the fact that the whole world ran on this stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like. I think a lot of people don't appreciate even going up until after World War II, a significant portion of the world's population still lived a petroleum-free life, right? You right. had coal for heat and electricity, but the, the, the complete automotivization of the planet uh, didn't even happen until the second half of the 20th century. And not just that, but the intensification of agriculture that re- necessitated petroleum intensive, right? Like yeah. that green revolution was petroleum right. fueled and happened as a result of World War II technologies. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Agnard on patrol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, at some point we'll find some better intro, like some better... Uh, angle in the book for talking about nitrogen fixation and that'll be if we don't mention the Haber-Bosch process at least once during this podcast (laughs) it will have been a failure for me well okay so we we did you just did it you just succeeded (laughs) self-fulfilling prophecy 
Speaking of prophecy. Peak too early. Yeah, let's transition. All right. Here, let's let's do uh, the segment of the show where we have to do the 30-second rundown where we actually cover the plot of what happens. Because okay. I feel like last time we never actually talked about what so, happened. I know that... Did you, did you guys both read the first chapter? I read everything. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so, I, I, well, why doesn't one of you do in, explain what happens in the first... of the, Read the quote and then explain what happens in the chapter. I'm going to do the second one. Okay. Um, well, then, it, Lily, it's on 35 is the quote. Yeah. I'm trying to... Okay, I'm going to do my version of it, but it'll probably just be all three chapters. Uh, <laughs> my, this is like uh, Drunken Summaries with Dr. Brislin. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have read that Mua... I was going to say Mua Dweeb... <laughs> <laughs> Cut that out. Do it again. No. <laughs> <laughs> you have read that Muad'Dib had no playmates his own age on Caladan. The dangers were too great, but Muad'Dib did have wonderful companion teachers. There was Gurney Halleck, the troubadour warrior. You will sing some of Gurney's songs as you read along in this book. There was Thuper Hawat, the old Mentat master of assassins who struck fear into the heart of the Padishah Emperor. There was Duncan Idaho, the swordmaster of the Ginza. Dr. Wellington Yue, a name black in treachery, but bright in knowledge. The Lady Jessica, who guided her son in the Bene Gesserit way. And, of course, the Duke Leto, whose qualities as a father have long been overlooked. From A Child's History of Muad'Dib by the Princess Rulian. There's so much here. There's so much here in just this quote. Oh, well, tell me more. Well, no. So here's here's my recap of what we read uh, this week. I'm just okay. here's here's the short version. Parade of daddy father figures: the <laughs> warrior, the scholar, the healer, um, all stern but encouraging in different ways and clearly showing in their affection, leading up to the entrance of the daddy, the you stern can- and aloof and emotionally unavailable daddy who foretells all of the troubles yet to come and his terrible purpose. That's what we read this week. You forgot to mention casually sexist. Oh. Literally every one of them except Yui comes in and has just like drops a little nugget. But I think it, (laughs) maybe I bring that up because I think it's intentional. Right? I I think Herbert meant to put that in there to show, especially when you look at, um, we're skipping all the way to the third chapter already, right? But when Leto says uh, a woman's fear, right? And then that fear turns out to have been, you know, a correct tactical analysis of the situation. <laughs> I also uh, love, like, the parallels between women as a universal enemy, especially the Bene Gesserit, uh, versus the planet as the enemy. And I think there's some ir- interesting parallels between, like, planet, land as enemy, women as enemy. But the, the true sort of terrible purpose, uh, militaristic, uh, analytic mentat strength that is to be found through the masculine way. Now, as since we're all film fans, I do think we need to take a moment to mourn the fact that none of the publicity stills for the new movie seem to include a pug. Ah! For Leto! That is the best scene! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know how it can be Gurney Halleck if he's not carrying a pug into battle. 
<laughs> That's the real. Thank you, Alex. Uh, I was actually thinking about that today when I saw Patrick Stewart, the side-by-side of the current cast and the past cast. I was like, oh, A, never going to top Patrick Stewart. B, where that pug at? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like Brolin just fine. But I do think it's a very different... I mean, there's obviously Patrick Stewart in a role is totally singular energy, uh, no matter what you do. But Big, bald energy, man. <laughs> <laughs> what's your what's your version josh uh he who did not read the chapters you want to give us here I, well i i read like two and a half of them okay. um well i listened to the first one and then i read the second one oh. and i really scanned through the third one um <laughs> <laughs> the um well okay here, here's the other here's the other excuse i'm going to give you guys uh i ended up watching this fantastic video last night about the dune video games Mm. and um all of the problems that have led to the licenses going to hell and apparently someone at the herbert estate saying that old things should stay old and um essentially not wanting to give the licensing back for anyone to make a new a new game even though there is an a company that's got the license from this movie to make games based on it. Oh, interesting. Okay. But I guess the license for the uh, the, the real movie uh, has expired, mostly. Hmm. And so EA can't uh, can't use it. Huh. So that that happened for a while. I was really enjoying looking back at the old real time strategy, uh, real time strategy games. If you're Dune 2 and Dune, Dune 2000, all your Command and Conquer lookalikes. I guess Dune 2 is probably first. Yeah, I remember playing Dune 2, and I remember it being impossible. It was so good. Was it? Or was it really hard? <laughs> I remember being really good, but okay. I also loved those games so much. What um, are these two different types of games? I don't play video games. What are, You mentioned two different broad categories, Command and Conquer, and what was the other one? Yeah, real-time strategy, which, um, hmm, how do you explain that to a non-gamer? Command & Conquer is a real-time strategy game. Real-time strategy yeah. games are, you look down, and in, a, like, a, usually an isometric view, like a bird's-eye view on a map of a battlefield, and you click on this tank, and you say, go over there, and you click on this Sardaukar, and you say, go shoot that sandworm. And if okay. you do that the best, then you win. But also, you've got your... Your harvesters harvesting. Yeah, you usually there's an element of trying to gather spice. resources or money, and you build buildings, and usually there's rules about how you can build the buildings. And your ornithopters. Thanks. <laughs> you just want to list all of them, Josh? I'm sure this content is interesting to someone that's not me, but maybe we can move to the next topic. Yeah, anyone. I think you guys. I think you guys nailed all the all the main points of these uh, these first. <laughs> These chapters here. I'm going to just be in, in agreement with you about the introductions here um, for these fantastic characters that we're going to grow to love mm. since we don't already know them so well. Can we please just call this episode Parade of Daddies? I would really like that. Yes. This I agree. Be called Parade of Daddies. Yeah, Parade of Daddies. Yeah. Um, and then chapter two was really um, 
just, uh, I don't know, five minute conversation about why you shouldn't sit with your back to a door. Uh, <laughs> so I, Wait, no, I that's really chapter enjoyed... one. Chapter no, two just... is Yui gives him the Bible. Sure. Oh, we learned he's treacherous. Black with treachery. Yeah, I did think that was interesting from a literary perspective. Like, they don't make any bones about Yui being a bad guy, right? Right. There's, there's no attempt to make us think that Yui's on uh, the Atreides side at any point in these chapters. I also, my other note about him was it's interesting that he's the only overtly religious figure that we get in any of the major, like, Caladan based people, right? Any any non Arakeen person, he's the only one that seems to actually care about the Bible as a religious document and not a propaganda one. Right? The Benny Jess the Bee Gees are a uh, religious order, but they don't really buy their own hype. Right? To them, hmm. religious prophecy is a tool they use to manipulate and control populations, not a means to salvation. And they make no bones about that. (laughs) I'm trying to find that quote that his wife liked that got him all shook, but I can't find it in my text. Uh, Think you of the fact that a deaf person cannot hear. Then what deafness may we not all possess? What senses do we lack that we cannot see and cannot hear another world all around us? What is there around us that we cannot... Stop it! Do I bark? (laughs) Good. My dead wife's Wait, favorite passage. Is her name... I'm just realizing this. Is his wife's name Wana? Or is that a typo in this edition? Uh, no, it does say Wana. I know, but... Oh. oh, no. Yeah, it says it again later. Okay. Her name was Wana. <laughs> is is this the first chapter we learn about his the stirring in Paul's terrible purpose? No, I feel like uh, Paul f- felt a rumble in his purpose at some point when he was talking to Gaius Moynihan. Right? Uh, he, yeah, because she asked him about his dreams and he told her about his dream about Chani and then for some reason... He had a stirring in his terrible purpose? Yeah, this <laughs> is terrible purpose. If this, if this episode isn't called Parade of Daddies, I want it to be thinly veiled dick metaphors. Okay. <laughs> I feel Staring like there'll be lots purpose. of opportunities to call an episode that. Uh, okay. Dune, micro Dune quiz. Who is your favorite daddy in the parade? Oh, Duncan, probably. Who's not here? Who does it? The one oh, who's not off Duncan. screen. Sorry. I mean, I mean, Gurney. I mean, Gurney. In the parade of daddies, I mean, Gurney. Yeah. I mean, Duncan is part of that parade, right? He's just, yeah. he's like literally absent father. I mean, that's an interesting. Mm, the interesting mm-hmm. and like literary thing is that there's just like several archetypes of father characters, right? Exactly. And one of them is Duncan, who's just literally not there. <laughs> I, I mean, Gurney does sing a really a really nice tune here. His little body. Have you made up mm-hmm. a tune for it yet, Josh? Are you ready to, you to put it to verse? Yeah. Put it, to, put it to a melody here. Hmm. I really should have prepared for this, shouldn't I? Yeah, yeah, you should have. We'll edit it back in. From now on, all songs that appear, and I think there are at least a couple other songs, you're on deck. So (laughs) be prepared. Hmm. 
You, you want to just like pick a, a tune and then I'll try to sing it to that tune? Piano Man. I don't think that fits the, the <laughs> tempo of this, of this party at all. <laughs> well, um, I'm not the musical one, all right? You no, why did I ask you? Your, your yeah, tone you should have asked Lily. Yeah. But it was really tempo that I was thinking about here. I'm also tempo deaf. Yeah. All right. I have to do it in post-edit. Yeah, time. that's true. You can just it. send me a clip of you singing the song, Josh, and we'll... We'll we'll tack it on. Well, we're gonna say I we're gonna say I did it here. Okay. Not that I needed more time. You're gonna make me. Sure. Yes, I'll cut all yeah. this out. It's gonna be terrible. It's gonna be terrible, and you can't make it look like I had all this time to make it that terrible. <laughs> well, then, okay. So let's move on. Let's we'll, we'll finish out the third chapter, and then I have a, a segment. I think we can uh, talk on for a little while afterwards to get us up to full length. Please, Lily. Okay, I also have another um, something. I, I mean, the first of these three chapters was the best because I think the um, colonialist parallels discussed earlier are extended, but I'm I'm starting to believe more in the nuance of Frank Herbert's vision of it, but maybe not. Maybe I'm giving him too much credit. But the difference between, I wrote in my marginalia, what is the difference between governing and ruling? And they kind of get into a little bit of a conversation of that, but maybe that's the big difference between it. And you start off thinking like, oh, this is an earnest interest in... No, I'm lying. It's like, without a ruler who knows the art of ruling, make that the science of your tradition. I'm on page 38. But okay. the art of ruling is like the learning of the wise, the justice of the great, the prayers of the righteous, and the valor of the brave. But all of these things are as nothing. She closed her fingers into a fist without a ruler who knows the art of ruling. Uh, right, but he's remembering his conversation with our GM before she left. Yeah. And the next page is, um, she asked me to tell her what it is to rule, Paul said, and I said that one commands, and she said I had some unlearning to do. And this <laughs> is where it gets to your comments about the coffee, Alec, if you want to touch on those. Oh, yeah, I just did. Uh, did think that was interesting um where did i she she said a ruler must learn to persuade and not to compel she said he must lay the best coffee on the hearth to attract the finest men yeah and that's interesting because from a analyzing herbert as an author perspective right he he clearly does have a big old crush on sort of north african arabic culture right and uses it Mm -hmm. more or less explicitly Although it didn't, right, like the, the Fremen fighters are called like the Fedayeen, right? Which is a word that a lot of us now know from Afghanistan and stuff. But I don't think that at the time this book came out, that that word was part of any part of the common parlance. Probably not. When was Russia, this is like, Lily doesn't know history. When was Russia doing all its work in Afghanistan? Because a lot of this is like, I'm also wondering like how many Cold War parallels are happening here between, mm. I, oh, this is my other note. Like now I only want to read the Harkonnens in like a really bad Boris and Natasha Russian accent and see them <laughs> as the other axis of this Cold War. <laughs> well, we'll definitely have to do some of that at some point. Oh, um, I feel like this 
Soviet invasion of Afghanistan was in the 70s, well after this came out. Just a prescient dude, man. Yeah. So, but which is to say this difference yeah, between they only talk about they're only talking about ruling. I'm interested in the difference between governing. And I think that there's his remembrance of his conversation. With, what did you call her? I keep saying RBG in my head. I mean, that's fine, too. Um, <laughs> RGM. <laughs> RGM, RGM technically, right? Reverend Mother Gaius Moyaham. We're just going to call her RBG. Okay. And so, so that she... I was thinking the that... same thing after you were abbreviating that all week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if yeah. anyone in U.S. leadership is a Benny Gesserit, let's hope that it's Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Maybe. I hope she has a cameo as a BG in the new Dune movie. <gasps> Uncredited. <laughs> oh, Alec, now I want nothing more in this world. <laughs> well, at the very least, it's a good Photoshop opportunity once we see the new BG costumes. Dibs. Dweebiverse on the internet. You can't do it before us. <laughs> <laughs> Do it right so now. That, the, that what we there might be an opening to be generous with old with old Frank to see what can be some like hard gender lines as an exploration of the blurring of them. So that what RBG is introducing to Paul by saying like you have to unlearn your notions of ruling as commanding, lay a good hearth, right? Be this sort of the feminine wiles, bringing feminine wiles to the Quizet Zadarak. Um. And his approach to it. So maybe maybe there's more gender play here than we might otherwise anticipate. Well, I th- but also I think that's right. It, there's a moment there where Thufer, who up until that mo- moment has just been totally dismissive of the Benny Gesserit and like clearly hates Jessica in a to his <laughs> core misogynist kind of way, does say, oh, yeah, she kind of has a point there. Right? Like, <laughs> oh, maybe yeah. these witches aren't just batty old crones after all if they have some or at least they they have some nuggets of wisdom no doubt in spite of their gender not yeah no i i definitely think as we get further into the book it, as i remember it it's a mostly fairly balanced uh criticism of a lot of this gender stuff this imperialism stuff i also had a thing i wanted to bring up last week and forgot about I think that in a lot of ways this book has um, what I what I call Deadwood feminism, right? Where it has all these female characters who are in these historic, right, in quotes, historically constrained roles, which because obviously it's a book set in the future, right? But he decided to go with this medieval framework for his world. But then each of them is a fully realized person by and large, right? With their own motivations and needs and action. Move through the constraints of their societal role, but are not defined by them. I love that that's Deadwood Feminism. <laughs> well, that's a, good, uh, that's a good segue to my, uh, my favorite segment of uh, this podcast, which is um, When Worlds Collide. And last time we talked about, um, you know, Star Trek and uh, and Dune, and this these three chapters actually give me um, give me two other collisions, if you will. Okay. Um, the first little. He's just holding the book that, up in front of the camera so that we know that he has a book. He's he's got comic books <laughs> held up inside there. Shh. 
Ooh, has there ever <laughs> been a good comic adaptation secrets? of Dune? I would read the hell out of that. Google, Google it. Google yeah. it. Right. Um, I'm going to read a quote here on page 38. On page 38, um, you'll learn about the funeral planes, she'd said, about the wilderness that is empty, the wasteland where nothing lives except the spice and the sandworms. And it got me thinking about the spice living there. I was like, is this like a the spice is midi chlorian sort of thing? Is this a is this a <laughs> is the spice alive? That's and interesting. There's, there's our first. She... Yeah, no, but does she literally say that? Because that's amazing. I read it to you. Okay. Huh. <laughs> no, no, no. I <laughs> I just want to read the exact wording, but that's it. Because I mean, page thirty-eight. The spice is. Nothing lives except the spice in the same rooms. Huh. Because I don't know if that's a slip or, right? Because the spice is part of the sandworm life cycle. Hmm. It is alive in a way. I don't remember the exact. Uh, It's that new uh, treatment for coronavirus that Trump is pushing. Oh, 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 oh. No, No, it's a thing from (laughs) Star Star Wars. Wars. Oh, you're joking. Jedi. Nailed it. Uh, cl- chloroquinine, I think, is the the treatment that Trump is shilling on the Glenn Beck. Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got her. What is what is what is the thing? Star Wars something? Um, they're like supposed to the be force. Like mitochondria that give you magic powers. Yeah. It's it's yeah the living the living. Magic, magic thingies that make you a Jedi. It's the Force. I hate that I am, I really am stepping fully into this role of like token female who doesn't really (laughs) appreciate your demise podcast. (laughs) The not hard nerd, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm I'm soft butch and I'm soft nerd. I don't oh, know. For, for soft nerd, you're pretty hardcore. I mean, it's just different but, aspects. But I yes, do want yes. you to have that on a, a business card. Lily Brislin, soft <laughs> butch, soft nerd. Yes, absolutely. And um, I keep thinking, you said whatever word you said that means the force. And I was thinking of the microbiome and fecal transplants. And then all I can think about is sandworms. And the spices, fecal transplants, now, micro, the macrobiome that is Arrakis. Now you've got me going into Star Wars and wondering, could you give someone force powers via fecal transplant? <laughs> I think if you believe hard enough. Yeah. Nice. So what other connection did you have? So the other connection um, was this fantastic quote right at the end of that first chapter on page 47. Um where Paul and Halleck are talking, and he says, uh, "If wishes were fishes, we'd all be we'd all cast nets." He murmured. It was his mother's expression, and he always used it when he felt the blackness of tomorrow on him. And that, of course, brings to mind uh, one of the best quotes from Firefly, which is, "If wishes were horses, we'd all be eating steak." And so there's my there's my Firefly Dune mashup for the week. And we can all ponder that. I love it. I also love what a moody bitch Paul is, where he's just like, the blackness of tomorrow, the stirring of my terrible purpose. Like, 
He is such a 15-year-old, emo, privileged little D-bag. <sighs> I mean, let's be fair. He was pretty much just told by a woman who knows a heck of a lot about things that they're all doomed. I mean, <laughs> he was just given some pretty bad news. It's true. He didn't choose the goth life. The goth life chose him. Real talk. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Could fireflies exist in the same universe? I guess they could. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Firefly could literally exist, right? Firefly could literally be just in the the pre pre preamble to Dune. A grand I mean, the, voice, the voice is definitely a Jedi power. So, um, it is interesting that the voice, right? The the RBG used the voice on Paul in order to try to prevent him from talking about what she talked to him about with other people. Excuse me! Yes. You are! You are! <laughs> I see you've been practicing since last, uh, it was, last episode. It was, pretty, it was pretty good. It freaked me out. <laughs> you can tell. Um, yeah, he wondered, what. why don't I tell him what that old woman said? How did she seal my tongue? Which yeah, is weird. How does he not know? How does? I mean, I feel like he has a lot of insight about some of these things. I feel like he would instantly know. I feel like that line is only there to tell us. That there's something to look for. That, yeah, that this happened. I think I'm not mad at it. Like, I need a little bit of guidance. There's a lot, there's a lot going on here. Like, I, I don't remember, I didn't remember all this stuff about the prison planet and the mercenaries and the... Mm. Yeah, mm. I'm really, I'm really not convinced by Herbert's belief that just putting people in a shitty situation makes them good fighters. I don't think that's and how that actually plays out. Makes you wonder about old Frankie's daddy issues because that this concept is first introduced mm-hmm. in the parade of daddies and is introduced by Duke Leto. Mm-hmm. You know, daddy loves you. Yeah, that that is also interesting. And I guess also this this is happening during Vietnam, right? And so I wonder if just like everybody knew more people who'd been to boot camp at this point in time. Oh, totally. Oh, good call, Alec. And so he's just like, well, what if you made a booty or boot camp? <laughs> what? Can you, expand- <laughs> Can you expand on that theory? You never heard of the booty or boot camp theory? No. Just that you go to boot camp for six weeks, you're miserable, and you come out a soldier. And so his idea was maybe, oh, well, what if boot camp was really shitty? Wouldn't you be I, more of a soldier afterwards? Saying, were you not saying booty or boot camp? Bootier. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I understood what you said the first time, but I'm really glad that you But it wasn't made-up nonsense word, so I understand why Lily didn't. <laughs> I you were like... It's like, was it booty or boot camp? Like, either you're going to get whipped into shape by pussy, or you're going to get whipped into shape by the army. It's like, Betty Jesuits or oh, or whatever his name is. Not oh, booty or boot camp. That's the second half of the book. Take or death. Oh, 
interesting. Well, that brings me to something I just want to make sure that I mention. On page 58, since my mind is thoroughly in the booty. In the booty. Um, his father praises him by way of saying that someone else praises him, which is like, again, daddy issues. But uh, he's talking about how Gurney, Gurney says something nice about him and is the Duke. Yeah. It's not even it's not even his bias name. He's the Duke. I figure Gurney to be sparse with his praise. He says you have a nicety of awareness, which that is such an awkward phrase. A nicety of awareness in his own words of the difference between a blade's edge and its tip. <laughs> Gurney says there's no artistry in killing with the tip that it should be done with the edge. <laughs> and then the Duke says Gurney's a romantic. <laughs> and my marginalia is just sort of like, ew, awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you guys really dropped the ball on this entire segment for me. Uh, guys, I'm out. Okay. <laughs> I, didn't really read the rest our, of the, I didn't read the rest of what we were supposed to read anyway. <laughs> I really hope our new, other new segment is Josh quitting halfway through every episode. <laughs> <laughs> well you can fix that if you cut this thing to the end no I'm going to cut it earlier right <laughs> so then I leave and come back yeah okay. alright so we've, we've been going for a little while Let I, I had a segment I wanted to do last week I want to go over it real quick okay. and then we'll uh, we'll call it an evening but Doug Benson has this great podcast called Doug Loves Movies. He does movie trivia games with a bunch of comedians. One of the things he had people doing for a while was a sort of fan casting game where you had to take a movie and cast it with the Muppet. And so I want to do a Dune Muppet fan cast. Ooh. Now, the part of this also is usually, usually you do leave one human actor in there. But let me let me pull up my my current and then the problem is there's a couple problems right is that there are not enough female Muppets. Uh, You're right. Uh, and it, there for a thing as big as Dune, there's not enough Muppets without getting into like some real specific, like real deep cuts. But so I had and I went for some some slightly. Uh, out of left field takes on this, but I'll remind you guys. Whoa, whoa. Did you do any any uh, gender swapping though? Very oh. first casting decision, Miss Piggy was the Baron Harkonnen. Yeah, <laughs> nailed it. That's it. That's it. We don't need to hear anymore, Alec. <laughs> mm, but I had Sweetums as the Beast Raban and Animal as Fade, and I'm pretty proud of that too. So. I was wondering where you're going to put Animal. What'd you do with Kermit? He's Duke Leto. <laughs> uh, okay. What about Eagle that does the news segments? That's no, no, no. Part. Sam Eagle is the Emperor. Sam Eagle's <laughs> the Emperor in my version. And who's RMRBG? I don't have one. Hmm. What about one of those old guys? Oh, oh yes. They could totally be the Benny Gesserit. Just any time the Benny Gesserit show up, it's Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that you are replacing the super powerful intelligent women with the heckling useless old men uh, I had Peppy the Shrimp as Shut Out Mapes 
<laughs> and Fozzie? Uh, Fozzie is Duncan Idaho. <laughs> um, Who's Chani? I have I have a Chani. I have Gonzo as Stilgar and the chickens as the Fremen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay. uh, and I, I had Bunsen Honeydew as Thu for Howitt and Beaker as Piter de Vries. And oh, and Rizzo the Rat as Dr. Yui. Oh, oh, oh poor Rizzo. It's yeah. just because he's a rat. The most important one. Who's the Swedish well, chef? Ooh, I don't have the Swedish chef in here. Ooh. Who should the Swedish chef be? I feel like his actual best role would also be the Beast Ribbon. <laughs> I was thinking he can sing some he can sing some bodies. Oh. Oh, he could be right? okay. Yeah, I had Ralph as Gurney, but I like Swedish Chef as Gurney. That's pretty good. I could see him carrying a pug and a balisette into mm-hmm. firefight. Who's who's Ralph? Who do you have Ralph as? Gurney Halleck. Which is a little on the nose, right? The band leader <laughs> as the... Or he's not the band leader. He's the keyboardist, but... Wait, who did you say he made uh, Sam the Eagle? The Emperor. Okay, yes. Yes, okay, perfect. I think you pretty much nailed it, Alec. Okay. Hmm. Coming uh, in 2022. Coming in 20... <laughs> Muppet Dune. Muppet Dune. Oh, then, but then I, I sent it to you guys on Facebook. I don't know if you saw it, but somebody did a bunch of photoshops of the Muppets in Dune situations. What? You didn't send me any of this. Oh, AI did. I'll resend it. But, but the best part oh of it God. is actually my, my cover photo right now is a sandworm, but it has animal's face. <laughs> <laughs> I, did see, I did see that. Um, did you cast uh, Janice the Muppet? Good. No. The problem is, is the, like, yes, you can make Janice Chani, right? But then you just feel like an asshole because it's like, oh, I had another female role, so I gave it to Janice, right? The Muppets what if really she's need the, to... um, the sister, the What if she's Jessica or St. Alia? Oh, yeah. Alia. Oh, I could see Jessica I... being like, wait for my brother, Baron. Like, yes! That's... Wait for my brother, Baron! <laughs> you meant Janice, but yeah. Yeah, what did I say? Jessica, which makes sense. Oh, yep. <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. No, you're not. Because <laughs> now you'd Wait, have to you edit guys... out all the things that I say about you making a mistake, too. And that's going to be too much work. You'd be surprised. What were you going to say, Lily? Did you guys ever pick who you would pick as your daddy in the parade of daddies? Or did I just, like, I dished and then y'all rode with it? Yeah, we kind of just let you go. Mm. Um... <laughs> I'd take whoever you cast Bunsen as. Oh, I was, I was going to say also, I think Gurney is kind of the easy answer there, right? He's by far the most pleasant of any of the four yeah. daddies in the initial daddy chapter. For sure. So there's, right. Like, nobody wants, like, Doofer's kind of cool, but he's also kind of an asshole, and you don't really want to hang out with him. And Yui, and, I mean... Yui is described as having a long ponytail and a greasy mustache. So, good dad uh, characteristics there. Yeah, and I'm then all the Duke. Dad, I'm saying daddy. Oh, <laughs> well, again, again, definitely Gurney. Yeah. 
I could see how one might choose Duke Leto, but not for me. You're not a, a Duke's boy. No, give me those brooding troubadours. <laughs> nice. As long as we're clear. Well, well, thank you everyone for listening to Gom Jabber with the Moad Dweebs. This has been a parade of daddies. We'll be back again in. <laughs> we'll be back again in two. You can find us on all your favorite major podcasting apps, including Casting. If you want to reach out to us directly, you can find me at Boyle Media on Twitter. Do either of you have any personal contacts or projects you want to plug before we go? I really do not want people to find me on Twitter. That would um, I don't want to invite that into. My life. <laughs> you can find me at Token Nerd Female uh, on Twitter. <laughs> I'm gonna buy you that Twitter, Lily. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, I thought I got us an email address. I just don't remember what I what I did with it. Hold Let's on. Do that. Don't don't come for me unless I send for you, children. I'm I'm gonna be right here on the podcast. That's enough. <laughs> yeah, you can contact us at the Gom Jabber Podcast at gmail dot com. Nice. And uh, uh, just point of reference, y'all didn't read the other quotes from the chapters. If we're trying to keep that, I love the idea that every week we say we're gonna do it and we partially do it and, and never <laughs> succeed. I wanted to talk about how vulgar Shome is. <laughs> <laughs>